Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. This game is over. The Houston Rockets shocked the Bulls here at the United Center. 133 to 118 behind Kevin Porter Jr.'s 36 points. Wow. You know, we're scoring enough points, but we've got to be able to to be better defensively. You know, it's frustrating, but you got to get ready to, you know, play another good team coming up and can't, uh, you know, can't play like this again. That has been the refrain for the Chicago Bulls in a lot of their losses to bad teams. Three and eight against teams who are at or below 500. 500 against teams who are at or above 500. 11 and 11. They will get an opportunity to take their shot in what is what I think is one of the most interesting rivalries in the NBA right now, Bulls and Bucks. It also offers us the opportunity to talk with our friend Jim Ozarski, who, wait, I got to do the whole thing. You got to explain, like, the whole thing. Okay. <clears throat> Jim grew up in Chicago. He grew up a Bears fan and a Bulls fan. Then he started working his way up through media. He ended up covering the Cincinnati Bengals for a really long time and became very helpful in that regard when the Bears were out here hiring all of the Bengals coaches to coach their offense. Then after that, Jim went to go cover the Packers for a while. So whenever we wanted to talk about the Packers, we would call Jim up because Jim knows about what's happening in the NFC North. Then Jim was like, how about I do basketball? So now he covers basketball for the Milwaukee Bucks, for the the Journal Sentinel, and now we can talk to him about all of that stuff. Did I get that right, Jim? You, you, yes, yes, you got it right. All right, good. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it as always, sir. When you think about the the Bucks and the Bulls over the last few years, clearly it's been you know the the Bucks being the hammer and the Bulls being the nail. I do think that it's a very interesting rivalry, even with it being a little bit lopsided. Yeah, and honestly, a lot of it still has to do with the fan base for the Bulls. To be honest, I mean. Look, for as bad as the Bulls have had been, you know, post-Dynasty, um, and then even a little bit after the Derrick Rose era, um, Bulls fans travel. It was always Chicago North, you know. There's always a lot of red in Milwaukee. And even as the Bucks got better, you'd still see red in Milwaukee, right? And um, I, I think that that has a lot to do with it. You know, the Bulls, the Bucks players notice that stuff <laughs> for sure. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, in, in the Giannis era, now that you could call it that, I mean, for sure the the Bulls have won what one regular season game that was earlier this year. Fiserv probably their best game of the year. Um, so it is hammer and nail <laughs> to a degree at this point. But yeah, I'd say, I'd say the fans. And then look, you, you add in some guys with a little bit of an edge. Um, you know, Caruso, Allen, Giannis plays with an edge, stuff like that. You know, that little chippiness doesn't hurt either. Uh, we we won't we won't mince words over whose edge is actually legal play in the A and NBA and whose isn't. Crusoe, we're still trying to figure out his status, but there's a couple players who would be there for the Bucks tonight, Jim, who we know are not. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, as I understand. Can you expand a little bit more on why those guys are out today? Yeah, so let's start with Chris Middleton. That's sort of the I mean, that's the biggest if, if there's a problem for a team that's been at the top of the East all season. It's that their three-time all-star 20 point per game scorer um, was slow coming back from off season wrist surgery comes back, kind of looks like himself. All of a sudden suffers some, a a right knee 
they're, they're dubbing it soreness. But when I talked to Chris on this long road trip they had, um, he said, no, there's something in there with his knee um, that he just sort of experienced during the trip or during his comeback. So that's a problem. This Bulls off, this Bucks offense, excuse me, has really stagnated without him. Makes sense, right? You have a big three. One of them is a 20-point-a-game scorer, and he's not there. That's a lot to overcome on a top-heavy big three, quote-unquote, roster. Now, Holiday, Drew, there's a, this non-COVID illness. So initially he was on the injury report with a, a thigh bruise. But the Bucks, I don't know about the Bulls, Layla and Lawrence, but the Bucks have had this, like, flu-ish, nasty, nasty cold kind of running through their locker room over this month. Like, guys had been out weeks with this stuff, um, like bad. So I, I, I don't know if this is the same thing for Drew, but he's been a guy who's actually been knocked out a couple times with this. Is that why we're seeing the Bucks on a three-game losing streak? Um, I, maybe I, I was, I don't know where Drew was feeling wise, you know, in Boston on Christmas day. I mean, he, he appeared okay. He had a good game. Um, but in terms of this losing streak, it's been a little bit of everything. Again, the offense outside of Giannis has been very inconsistent. If Giannis isn't scoring 30 in an efficient level, things are, are stagnating a bit. Um, Missing Holiday is going to be a problem for the Bucks tonight, to be honest. I, I mean, look, he's their best defender. He's a guy they could put on DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine by himself and then just sort of let it be. Um, so that's going to be a problem for them. Um, also on this three-game losing streak, you know, defense comes and goes. You know, the, you know, Boston hit eight threes in the first quarter. They hit none in the second quarter, for instance. Um, so they've had some, like uh, – iffy defensive spots too. So are, are the Bucks ripe for the Bulls right now? That I don't know because there's always the Giannis effect. He, like the Bulls have nothing for him. Like Giannis can, go, can score 45 tonight. You know what I mean? And, and, the, and the Bucks might win. But not having Drew Holiday is, is a big deal. And that game where the Bucks last played with the Celtics, Bucks give up 139 points. Sadly, the Bulls understand that feeling because they just gave up 133 <laughs> to the Rockets. But that is that was a game where I think just like the rest of the league, we're trying to see who's king of the mountain right now in the Eastern Conference. And if it's not those two teams, obviously the Nets are next in the conversation. Were you able to gather anything from this last game against the Celtics as far as trying to figure out where Milwaukee fits into all of this? It's interesting, Layla, because there is a real feeling – that it's clearly without Chris Middleton, Boston is a better team. And, and it's hard for anyone to say that's not the case because you look at last year's playoff series, even though the Bucks had two closeout games, one at home, one at Boston without Middleton, they were not the team that advanced. It was the Celtics. We see the same essential lineups on Christmas Day. One team is missing their all-star. The other team is totally healthy. And look who wins. So I, that's probably the takeaway, Layla, for sure, is that they Boston knows how to slow down Giannis just enough. And without the other guy, who's probably underrated, in market even, um, Boston's just better if Chris Middleton's not playing. Now, Brooklyn's interesting. I think they're really hot. They also beat the Bucks at home. But that was done differently. Um, the, the Bucks actually did a good job on Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It was just – 
Nick Claxton had his best game of the season. <laughs> and a couple of those other guys had what you would saw one of their best games. And I think in terms of tonight's game, that's probably what the Bucks are going to try to do is, okay, DeMar, Zach, let's, they might get theirs, but Kobe White, Javante, you know, uh, Vucevic, hopefully they don't go off, which is actually what happened in Milwaukee the last time and led to that Bulls win. When you look at the Bulls season this year, are, are you surprised at all that, that they are this team, considering that, I don't want to say that they were competitive in the Milwaukee series because they really weren't, but looking at how they played last year, to see them start off and, and be, have this type of record at this point in the season, did you think that that's what they would be when you walked into the season? No, I, I definitely thought they would be better. I, I didn't think, and, and Lonzo Ball is a fine player. Um, I, I guess I underestimated his value in keeping this thing together for them. Um, I mean, clearly we, we saw what they were until he got hurt last year, which is a top team in the East record-wise. Uh, yeah, I, I, and you, you look at those three All-Stars, and I know Zach got off to a slow start after his own off-season surgeries and, and whatnot, but I, I did. I, Lawrence, I thought they would be better than this, and I think it's a real thing. Yeah, I, Look, they're a talking point. When you know, I was just on a five-city, nine-day road trip, and the Bulls are—they're in the conversation of what are they doing there? What's happening there? Should they begin to to break this thing up? Um, and and it is—it is a little surprising, just considering the the front-end talent that they have. When you had those conversations, what was? the theme of the discussion or were, were some things you heard because we're in it. So we're having our own feelings about it all. I mean, honestly, the feeling is, is they, I mean, if, if that they should start to, to see what's available and, and maybe do the, the slow tank or the soft tank, you know, whatever you want to call it, what does Adam Silver didn't want teams saying that at the very beginning of the year, but you know, you could definitely lose a lot of games between now and <laughs> in the end of the season, if you start trading certain players and, you know, maybe because other teams are in that same boat. Like, for instance, I don't think L.A., the Lakers, would really want to trade for DeMar DeRozan right now, right? Because where are they going with Anthony Davis being hurt yet again? So, But that is the feeling is sort of, well, well, what Chicago is right now is not going to go to the finals and probably not going to go to an Eastern Conference finals. So what are you doing? And I don't know if anyone really feels that Lonzo Ball, while he may be the linchpin of this thing, who knows? I mean, Joe Ingles for the Bucks is going to play tonight. He's going to play 20-something minutes. He blew out his ACL 10 months ago. He's, so he's back sooner than Lonzo. So that's, yeah, Lawrence and Layla, that's sort of the feeling. Just, again, Western Conference teams, Eastern Conference cities, it's like the Bulls, it just feels like it's over already for this group. Jim, as always, man, we appreciate your time. Enjoy the game tonight. Let's talk again soon. Uh, sounds good, Lawrence. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate the knowledge, Jim. Sorry to end on a sad subject, but yeah. it's okay. We've we've been dealing. We've with We've been it dealing too. with it for weeks now. How yeah. bad they are. You're, you're talking to the right people here. I love him. He's. I had never talked to him. That's great. South Burbs. He is. He is a man that that knows. I was going to ask him about the Packers, but I figured I wouldn't. I'll save it for the next time we talk with Jim. We talk enough about the Packers.
He, I mean, but he knows. I mean, he he knows all of these guys. Like, Yo, he, Packers suck. Well, and but also he 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 covered the coach that was fired and the coach that's running the Bears' offense. So he knows a lot. Yeah, that's why I like having Jim on. He's also a good man and thorough. But I wanted to make sure that because we didn't do this. I, I don't think we it really brings the room together. Right, it really does. That carpet was a big deal. This is our concern, dude. I will watch that movie. The Big Lebowski is one of my favorite movies of all time. My this is our concern, dude. My, yeah, right. Maybe my mom's favorite. No way. Yeah, and if you know my mom, that's a plot twist. Really? She has a good sense of humor. I actually think that I tried to show that movie to Roki. I think we, we were like, all right, when she was EP in the show, I was like, let's do movie night. Like, let's. what's a movie that you... Oh, my God. I've been trying to do movie club forever with this crew. And, also to get me to watch movies. Well, and I was like, I love The Big Lebowski. And I don't think that she got it, but I was appreciative because I watched with, like, the whole Rakitis family. I used to quote that movie a lot with my coworkers at Fox Sports Southwest. It's one of the most quotable movies. You're There's, out of your element, Donnie. So many great lines in that movie. We, we didn't get a chance to really do this topic justice yesterday. No. So we want to talk about it. And after the conversation we had with Mike Florio, it, it deserves another reexamination. We're going to talk about Tua Tonga Vailoa and everything that's going on with him. Um, I will say on a positive note, shout out to Justin Fields. I am, through our mutual friend, my BFF, Afia Wusu, I love the breakthrough foundation what they do in in garfield park justin fields apparently just showed up there yesterday to like talk to the kids like unprompted qb1 loves the kids let me tell you something about qb1 he you know how he was buying the candy bars off the street he is going to own this town if they get him some help because he's charismatic and community oriented does nice things Mm mm-hmm so thanks to, to to QB1 for going to East Garfield Park and Breakthrough is a great organization. You should look them up if you're thinking about donating before the end of the year. Um, they're on my donation list. They should maybe be on yours too if you want to help out some stuff that's going on in the, the city on the near west side. So shout out to QB1 for that. Also, this crossed my mind. Um, I think even though we're past the December 25th Christmas holiday, it's always a good idea to donate at this time of the year, yeah. not just for your tax write-offs, but also because other people celebrate Christmas a little later, like Eastern Orthodox, so you might be making somebody's day and you don't even know it. Yeah, it's true. So just a thought. It's always good to just kind of look at the end of the, the calendar, too, and say, hey, there are some places where I can donate and help out some people. It's good. Yeah. You know, whatever you want to do, you, you can do. See, look at him inspiring us to talk about more good things. Yeah, yeah. He's already owning this city. How about that? Yay. Be back after this on the score. Bernstein at Homes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Station, Station, Station. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We saw our buddy Gabe Ramirez in the hallway. He and Mark Shanowski. If you are someone who likes buckets, loves loves the bucket. Not me. Not but actual the bucket. Actual buckets. No bucket. No multiple. As in, 
enough to fill a score of a whole basketball game. If you're someone who likes buckets, man, do we got a show for you coming up at 2 o'clock. Gabe and Mark Shanowski are going to be in here, and they are the perfect duo to preview Bulls Bucks tonight. Or any NBA. Anything you want. Give me the hot sauce. That's it. Maybe Mark will tell some Stacy stories from the show. Saucy. Well, he's got them. I did the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast a few weeks ago. That's awesome. It was a lot of fun. You know what I call Mark? Mark Quality Control Shinowski. Nothing gets past that, man. I agree. Pays attention to every single detail. It's amazing. So he and Gabe will be on at 2 o'clock. Layla and I are here until then. We'll talk to them in about 20 minutes or so. Tua Tonga-Vailoa is in the concussion protocol again, and now it looks like this is his third concussion inside of a season. And you start worrying about not just him as a player and the Dolphins' offense when he's right looking like the most dangerous offense in the NFL because of who they've got at at skill positions. But now you start worrying if he's going to have an ordinary life because of what's happened to him playing football. And we go back to the horrid pictures of what happened when he suffered back-to-back injuries. Mike Florio alluded to it. It was earlier in the season where only four days separated the games where he suffered what they called at the time a back injury where we saw him stagger and fall down And then four days later, have to play on Thursday night football, thereby flying to the destination. And then after he suffered what they confirmed was a concussion, flying back with the team. And and being in in what a lot of people call double concussion syndrome, where you haven't like fully healed from one concussion and then you suffer another one. I worked with Teddy Johnson, who is now part of the NBC Sports Boston football coverage. So he does the their version of Patriots, the football, either before show or after show. I don't know what the technical name is, but the reason I'm talking about Teddy is because I worked with him in Houston. Teddy was the first person to teach me about secondary concussion syndrome and what the danger is in having back-to-back significant head traumas in a very short amount of time and what that can do to a person. And that's why it was so unbelievably jarring to see... Tua go through what he went through, on a Sunday it would be bad. But on a Thursday, what those days mean to the NFL and NFL time. So to now have this happen, how much malpractice is possibly going on in these scenarios when one person has already been fired amid all of this? It's just not okay to me. We've evolved past this. You've evolved past this as a fan. You know what you're seeing when you see it. I'm with you wholeheartedly. And that Thursday night game that Tua got injured in, it was a it became a big story because it was the first time that that Amazon Prime had to deal with something bad going on in their broadcast of football. Layla and I had the opportunity to talk with Michael Smith, who the was it the next week was doing or two weeks later was doing the, the Bears-Washington game as, as one of the reporters on that broadcast, he was very open about the process of talking about it and the concerns 
because he was acting as the authority on the subject because they didn't really have a lot of news people on the dais. I thought that this was one of the best interviews of the year that, that's been on the score when Michael Smith was talking about all of this. That was part of the calculus with halftime is not wanting to diagnose, not wanting to make any determinations on, you know, on air. However, again, that's where the context comes in with regard, with regard to what had happened previously against Buffalo. And I think, and I, and that's the thing I wish I would have done a better job of even post game. I tried to, you know, empty my notebook and, and give as much context and perspective and information as I could. But I thought you did a pretty good job of that though. I mean, I, I was watching pretty closely and I mean, you yeah. between the people that you had contacted and the information that you had to give the rest of the dais, I I thought that you were pretty much on it though. Well, I, I appreciate that. The one it's just and, and it maybe maybe it's understood. Maybe it goes without saying, but I don't think people really. I don't think I really did a good enough job of driving home the point that the issue is second impact syndrome. So why was it a big deal that Tua appeared to suffer a concussion, even though it was reported by the team as a back injury, and he said it was a back injury. Why was it a big deal for that to happen on Sunday and then for him to be out there playing on Thursday and then suffer another concussion? Well, it's because second, of second impact syndrome. And obviously people have talked about it since then, but in that moment I remember after it was over saying I should have talked about the dangers of sustaining a concussion so close to a previous concussion. Because otherwise, because it, was, it wasn't as though him playing – in you know him playing made him regardless of what happened on Sunday he could have suffered that same type of fate on Thursday. The danger was if he had a concussion that was not properly diagnosed, and there's no evidence to suggest that it wasn't properly diagnosed to begin with. It's that he appeared to suffer a head injury based on his reaction. Everybody says that you know he was fine during the week and he passed all the tests uh, leading up to the Cincinnati game. But if he had a concussion and it was, you know, presented as a back injury, then turns around and gets another concussion, there's, a, there's long-term damage, if not death, that can result in, in, in something like that. That last sentence is scary. All of it is scary. That last sentence is fatal. So now you have a, a young man who clearly has a ton of talent and has a lot of people in Miami thinking that they have a chance to win it. The pressures of that are so big because of how starved Miami has been as a franchise, and now you look at look at the guys that they've got playing receiver and running back, and their defense seems to be good enough to, to do what they need to do. So we talked with Patrick Manley about this on yesterday. The reason that we asked Patrick Manley about this One, he's a guy who played for 16 years. He's seen a lot of stuff. Two, because he was a player representative and getting the perspective of someone who was inside of it at that level, I thought was important. Here's what he told us about whether or not Tua needs to start thinking long-term about this. Sometimes doctors and coaches have to step in for the player. I think Olin's talked about it, knew him growing up and knows his family, that they just want to play football. And you get guys like that that will try to play through anything. 
it's scary and it's you know it's his decision obviously but sometimes the coaches and doctors need to step in and say listen this is this is your health this is your future i understand you're trying to be tough i understand your mentality it's hard man it's really really hard but again maybe maybe the family needs to step in maybe somebody needs to talk to the family because that, that's that's a tough one because the player you know I've, I've been around those players that they'll do anything and everything to stay out there but then sometimes somebody has to step in and say uh-uh you, you've got to step away this is it's football is great football is a great livelihood I'm not saying for him to retire or thing like that. I'm talking just big picture of some players that, you know, it's time just to step away, that you've got to think about, you know, other things in life of a wife, a kid, mom, dad, stuff like that. If it's a high ankle sprain, you know how hard guys are working to try and get back because especially in a season where you think you might be able to win the Super Bowl. With the brain injury, I imagine there are some similar mentalities but I don't think that you can work harder for your brain to heal the way that one could aggressively go and rehab to try and get a high ankle sprain to heal. No, in fact, don't they say to rest harder, essentially? Mm-hmm. Lim- even when it comes to light sources, eliminate a lot of the light sources in cases. I wonder if those, those conversations are being had by or around Tua. I think there's a couple of factors that play in here. For one, let's not forget that this is the same Dolphins organization that is being sued because of how they run their team. And Mike Florio speaks about that too. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious what happens to Sean Payton in the upcoming months. That's not to say Mike McDaniel needs a job. That's to say he was part of that whole rumored scheme that occurred. Well, now there's a rumor that the – Sean Payton's going to go back to New Orleans with Tom Brady. I think we're going to hear a lot of Sean Payton rumors in the upcoming months. Can't I, wait until he's coaching a Big Ten school. I, I can't wait till he's coaching because he's not good as an analyst, Well, which shocks me. Yeah, because he's personable. However, Miami as an organization is, is something to consider here. What's also to consider is you do have a rookie head coach in Mike McDaniel. And so somebody's got to be brave enough to say, this is the information about this human being that needs to get out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's, who's willing to stand up in these spaces and, and be the advocate that somebody might need. Someone has to be it. I actually don't think it's going to be Mike McDaniel. And he's kind of, you know, danced his way around this subject. He has. Curiously and I, so. And I, I haven't liked it. I haven't liked that he's just kind of flippantly, well, you know, I'm kind of the wacky guy. And now you're now the head coach. You're the head coach. And this young this young man's life is in your hands right now. And additionally, when you know somebody's already been fired because of the outcry, mm-hmm. that doesn't make it look any better. Add to that what we know about him as a person. Because he's been on this stage. It goes back to when he was the quarterback at Alabama. And the stories that were done about him, about his work ethic and the pressure that he put on himself and how that was a labor of love for him. Mm-hmm. That's how it was portrayed. And Not everyone would agree with that assessment. That's, but I think I would – it's not even about my opinion at that point. That is, I think, how he knows himself. Yes. That's like how he sees it. Interpret his words through him is how I'm trying to put this. And Tom Rinaldi. Sad piano. But even then – Knowing all of that, who's coming in to say, pause, 
Who's coming in to stop him from playing that Thursday night football game? Somebody should have. And are we at a place where... Who's who's taking him out of the game? That's the problem. Are we at a place where those conversations can be had and they're being had honestly? Like, this is, like, what's happened to him is scary. And the way that he has been hit and, and dragged down in the pocket and ragdoll to a certain degree where you're getting the impact of The him. whiplash yeah. look. It's really scary. And if you look at what happened, people who are around the Packers will say, well, the Packers made adjustments. If you look at what he was doing before that play happened and then what happened after that play happened, it's terrifying. And in the postgame, I don't know if you guys saw this, Mike and Ray, in the postgame, Tua said that one of the interceptions he thinks may have been caused because he called the wrong play. If that, if, if you're his head coach or his offensive coordinator or his uh, quarterback coach, that's a major red flag that the quarterback may have called the wrong play. This is not just a young man who has a lot of hopefully football ahead of him. This is a man who has a lot of hopefully life ahead of him. And anyone, I can just tell you from my experience with Alabama, anyone who has ever been around him will tell you that he is the best person. Like, nice kid, smart, respectful, has a lot of things going for him that aren't football. As well he should. And you want it, You don't want to see someone like that. You don't want to see their light extinguished. And I, I don't know what, like, I, I know what I would be tempted to say to him if I were close to him, but I also do understand the, the drive and the desire, especially in a window where you feel like you can get something that's elusive. Winning a Super Bowl is elusive. So how much are you willing to risk to get it? I, I personally don't think for this situation it's worth the risk, but I've been around enough football players that I've, I know that those conversations are going on, that that, that cost-benefit analysis is going on of, you know, I may never have this opportunity to, again, and we're good enough. I can... I can live through this. I can suffer the consequences of this. No, not with your brain. You can't. And you know what? Let's interpret football with football real quick. You're a six and seven team and you're not the chiefs and you're not the bills. And that should be more than enough on top of everything else that is far more important to say, shut it down right now. Well, no, they're they're not. They're eight and seven. Eight and seven. My bad. Eight and seven, but they are on this losing streak. Yeah, they have I not knew they were like well. around. Sorry, I re, I misread my screen. But they're they're four. They're, they're they've lost four games in a row, so it makes sense. But they're still hovering. Like they're they're in they the what, playoff a chase. They have a sixty-eight percent chance right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're gonna. It looks like Teddy B is going to get another opportunity. Um, you you should invest in quality backup quarterbacks specifically for them to win games that you need. You're hoping that you can go 500 
when your quarter your backup quarterback plays. And if they go 500, they're probably in good shape. But the whole thing is terrifying. And and you're still not in the top two teams in the AFC. The AFC is is interesting. Not as interesting as the NFC. The NFC is. And when it comes to everything else that is compounded in this discussion, not important enough. I I tend to agree with you, but I do understand that thing that drives folks to look past what the consequences are. And, of course, we get a bad take on the text line from 847. Respect what you have to say, but at what point is the player responsible for their own health? They're not. They're not doctors. Tua has the same info on brain health as every other person does. No, he literally doesn't because that's not his job. Yeah. He's making a boatload of cash and to live his dream. And if he wants to assume the risk, then it's up to him. What? How do people still not get this in the year of our Lord 2022? I I don't know. You would think that we had moved, evolved past it, but it's not because people often connect their own toughness to the toughness of football players. No, he doesn't have the same info on brain health. You don't have the same info on brain health because if you did, you wouldn't be sending this joke text. When we come back, there'll be actually something fun that we can discuss. We will do that next. Bernstein and Holmes, Lawrence and Layla here with you until two on the score. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Talks me about this game. And that drew rim. It's still Twenty-one rebounds, forty-seven minutes played, and now sixty points for the first time in Mavericks history. Oh, how nice it is for me to hear my old friend Mark Followell from Valley Sports Southwest calling the performance of the year in the NBA. Luka Doncic, the triple double to end all triple doubles. Lawrence Holmes, is that the safest way of describing it? It's, it's up there. 60, 21, and 10. Can I get more disgusting about Luca? 60. Tibbs' reaction, by the way, when he tied the game. Well, that's usually the that's usually the reaction that he has. All the time. <laughs> Luca is having an MVP type season for them. And all you need to do is look at his game log over the last four games. You ready for this? On the 21st, 25 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. On the 23rd, 50 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds. On Christmas Day, 32 points, 9 assists, 9 rebounds. And then last night, 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Dude is balling. His stat line for the season, 34 points a game, nine assists a game, nine rebounds a game. He's going to have like a real triple-double season. Dude is balling. It's just a shame that 
at least for me, the, yes, grew up a Mavericks fan, but also just NBA fan, they couldn't get that together properly. Losing Jalen Brunson the way they did, it wasn't just about his connections to the Knicks. Makes that game a little more sweet for them, I'm sure, even though I don't think he played. But either way, just uh, there's so many NBA teams with there's talent across the board to be in the league. It's just a matter of the right combination of it at this point. The difference there, like there's no have nots anymore, in my opinion. That's how good of the level of basketball is that we're watching. Well, let's hope that the level of basketball is good tonight. We are going to preview that when we talk to our guys. I see them in the hallway. They are they are ready to go. Gary Ramirez, Mark Shanowski, quality control himself. They are going to come in here and talk buckets with us next on The Score.